UCLA, a legendary crew. There's another legendary artist from that crew called Air. Was he in that group when you were in it? Yeah, absolutely. He got in maybe a year after we, we kind of started it and running it. Uh, he was already, he was in a crew called TON before and he went to junior high with J-Rock and a bunch of the other guys that were from UCLA. And it was just a natural fit. You know, he also, he was also from a crew called RA, which was a South Central crew that my homie Burnt used to be from. He was one of the main heads too. And uh, yeah, I, I met him in junior high right before I got to Fairfax High. And then we became homies while I was at Fairfax and he was still in junior high. And then finally when, because he was a grade younger than me, and then finally when I got into the 11th grade, he was a 10th grader and he came to, or actually no, he was a 9th grader, he was two grades younger than me, because at the time they changed it. When I got to Fairfax, it was high school, was 10 through 12, but the next year it was the 9th graders were there. So they let him and they let a bunch of, J-Rock was also you know, a couple years younger, a bunch of people from the young UCLA's basically got to Fairfax. And uh, not soon after that, it was when uh, KOG was formed. What kind of person was Young Air? Can you describe him, his personality? Uh, man, he was extremely charismatic. He knew how to read people better than anybody I knew. He would, sometimes he was very playful, so sometimes he'd like lead you on and be joking and you wouldn't realize like, are you joking, are you serious? You know, he's very street smart. Uh, he was definitely wiser than his years. You know, he would figure out a way to always have a stack of money in his pocket. He always had a beautiful girlfriend. He was kind of like unreal almost. He would get the dopest spots. He would, I remember, he would tell me he was gonna do some shit. I'm like, you're gonna do what? And then the next day he'd show up to school with like pictures of the shit he'd done. I'm like, how did you do that? He would, I remember he was driving a, literally a 1964 Impala. And I remember he got in a car accident and it just got totaled. And he just abandoned ship on it. It's just like, whatever. And the next day he showed up with a, Chev a Chevelle Supersport. And I'm like, damn, bro, you're like that Easy E song. You know, he, like, he talks about wrapping a 6'4 Impala around a telephone pole. And he's like, oh, brother, I'll throw it in the gutter and go buy another. I'm like, dude, you, you know, it's weird because you never, you don't really meet too many people that operate on that high of a level. His vibratory frequency was just above the rest of us. He was slicker than us. He was smarter than us. He was definitely operating on a different frequency than us. You know, we were just kids and he was a grown ass man in a kid's body. The 90s, it's known for the tag-banging era. What was it like writing in those days? Yeah, unfortunately, the tag-banging era was kind of shitty. I think uh, a lot of it was perpetrated by Fox Undercover. I feel like once those specials started coming out, the style of dress at kids at school changed. They went from a more like tagger, raver, skater look to like the Ben Davis and the crease pants and like really oversized gangster shit. Everybody started wearing the caps with like the names of the crew on it and like the belt, bu belt buckles with like, you know. And it was weird because it was kind of, it was intertwined, crossed with like the party crew scene because the party crews were from different communities where there was gangs. So like they like kind of forced some of the party crews to get into the gang, which kind of ruined the party crew scene. And they would force the graffiti writers. Like if you lived in a gang neighborhood and they knew you were a graffiti guy, they'd force you into the gang. There wasn't any choice about it. You'd either have to stop writing, totally hide it and make sure they never find out or be part of the gang and just be low key. A lot of the OGs, from pretty much every major graffiti crew that I know are from a major gang because at the time you had to join the gang, you know? And so, I mean, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but definitely 
all the dudes that grew up a generation before me, like all the guys that were big in the 80s, uh, almost all of them are definitely affiliated with some sort of gang as well, you know? And, and that they were just like, for some of it, for a lot of them, I don't want to speak to their reasons, but I feel like a lot of it had to do with just the, the gang scene was so big, they just absorbed everybody else. And unfortunately, it was absorbing the taggers. And because of that, even taggers that weren't affiliated with gangs acted like gangs. You know, in my junior high, dudes from other high schools would come in their cars with their clubs or bats or whatever to like beat up and jack us because we were, you know, easy victims. We're junior high kids, you know? And I was like, that kid looks like a tagger. See where he's from. And if you ranked it or you were from like a crew that they didn't know or respect, they'd beat you up, take your shit. So it was, it was violent. It was kind of shitty. Definitely that era, I remember seeing a lot more people get jumped, beat up, stabbed then a little bit later into the 2000s and shit, I feel like a lot of that dissipated and kind of faded away, fortunately, you know? I don't think it was a positive thing for the scene. I think it ruined the art side of things for some years, and even some of the artists thought they were gangsters for a while, and it just didn't make sense. <laughs>